The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Baseball's great charm is that the action comes in spurts, which leaves plenty of time to spin yarns, look at the girls, and make wisecracks. guys welcome to full count chaos happy 2018 season everyone brand new season with baseball and the baltimore birds can i get an amen Amen. very excited we no longer have to try and figure out how well the o's are going to do by watching those games that mean absolutely nothing of course i'm talking about spring training we all do that though after a few games we all try to figure out how the o's are going to look this season Some people actually think they have a good idea after watching a few games. I saw people posting on Twitter, and I actually heard friends of mine. I'll tell you what, these O's look damn good. Might be pretty interesting this season. I'm thinking they're four games into spring training. What are you talking about? But we get caught up in the moment. That's what we do. O's finish 17-12 and in the Grapefruit League. What does that mean? Nothing. It means they won more than they lost. But we love it. I love it. Hey, don't forget you can reach out anytime, fullcountchaos at gmail.com or head over to fullcountchaos.com. Other ways to follow me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know the drill. You get how it works. Anything on your mind, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm going to be giving a lot of opinions and thoughts on this show about this team in baseball, and I'm sure you won't agree with some of them, if not all. So don't hesitate to write in and let me know what I said that makes me sound like a complete jackass. Now, when spring training started, I was very excited at first, like any other baseball fan. We finally get that baseball back in our lives. After a few weeks, we're all thinking, can we please just get the show on the road? Spring training can feel like a year of baseball because you're just dying for that opening day. We know the win and losses obviously don't mean a damn thing. And unfortunately, when you're a sports fan, it's very difficult to turn that switch off trying to remind yourself it means nothing. Early in spring training, the Orioles blew a 9-1 lead, and I was pissed off. Walking around the house like, you gotta be kidding me. How the hell do you blow an 8-run lead? My wife's like, you're already complaining, and the season hasn't even started yet? She was right. Didn't mean a freaking thing. I was acting like a child. But it's hard to turn off that switch. It really is. We're fans. That's what we do. We care about our teams, and we want them to win no matter what. And speaking of turning switches on and off, hopefully Chris Davis turns his on. My God. Strike three, strike three, strike three, strike three, strike three, you're out. Just before I started recording, I was talking about him with a friend of mine, talking about Davis's stats, everything. With home runs, you know, from 2015, he had 47 home runs, and it dropped to 36 home runs, and last year it dropped to 26 home runs. His OPS has dropped nearly 200 points since 2015, 923 to 792 to 732. His average since 2015 was at 262, dropped to 221, then dropped to 215 last year. We know about his strikeouts. I don't even need to talk about that. It's not looking good for the O spending $161 million on this guy. I'm telling you, if Davis's numbers keep dropping year after year like this, he's going to be in the discussion as one of the worst signings by the O's on how much they spent on him. 
Him and Ubaldo will become a Twitter question in three years asking which player was the worst signing by the O's in the past 10 years. Now, Davis is a pretty damn good first baseman. He struggled in opening day, had a couple errors. But if Davis keeps batting like a blind man swinging at a pinata, who knows how that signing will look. Not sure if 160 mil is a going rate for a good first baseman, but they paid him. Love him or hate him, he's an Oriole. Of course we love him. Plays for the Orioles. And by the way, if I hear one more person say to me, Davis is just one swing away from hitting a home run, I'm going to throw something. Yeah, every single player who walks up to the batter's box holding a bat in their hand is one swing away from hitting a home run. They're called Major League Baseball players. Ever seen one? That's what they do. One swing away. Saw another interesting stat the other day where the Orioles were last place in the American League for the least amount of chances with runners in scoring position in 2017. That's not good. They need to fix that. I read that and said, yep, that sounds about right. Bunch of power hitters who swing for the fences 162 games. Though if they could start getting more guys on base and continue to hit these bombs, they'd be winning by 10 runs a game at least, scoring 12, keeping the other team under six runs. I understand the offense was not our biggest concern. I mean, during the offseason, fans had to cut out a Dan Duquette's head on a pitchfork, (laughs) calling for blood. And apparently, Angelo's mailed Duquette a blank check with a note saying, buy a goddamn pitcher, and that's what he did. That son of a bitch went out and signed Alex freaking Cobb. I'm laughing because I really didn't see that coming at all. After the Ubaldo shit show, I thought Angelo's was just going to start giving out gift cards to pitchers instead of cash. Bunch of Boogs barbecue gift cards to pitch on the Orioles. Cashner and Cobb, not bad. Not bad at all. You can say we had a great offseason. Cobb, 30 years old, six seasons with the Rays, 48-35 and 35 record. That's a winning record. With a 3.50 ERA. If you can keep your ERA under four in the AL East, I think you're doing a pretty damn good job for yourself. And I thought it was interesting. Cobb's actually offered him three years, 42 mil, But I guess, obviously, Cobb wanted the four years on his contract. So this contract is the biggest contract in Orioles club history for a free agent pitcher. And I think it's interesting Cobb came out and said the O's were talking to him almost every day during the offseason. They obviously kept that quiet for a long time, though you'd think someone would have tweeted that out, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Ken Rosenthal. He's a guy who would have done that. He always spreads the rumors. Rumor is O's want Cobb. I didn't see anything. All offseason about that. Didn't even see an article. Of course, there was a bunch of stuff on TV and the internet about how Cobb would be a good fit for the Orioles and why. Yeah, because our pitching sucked. Anybody would have been good (laughs) to come on the Orioles if they had a better ERA than six. The Cashner signing, I like too. He played for the Texas Rangers last year. 340 ERA with 11 wins and 11 losses. Okay, not bad. Much better than what we had last year. It was a lot of mixed reviews when we signed Cashner. Some Oriole fans were pissed off and some were satisfied, at least made a move. And it was pretty interesting when we picked up Cashner. I was reading a lot of the uh, Texas fans' reactions on Twitter and Facebook, and 99% of them that I read were very upset. Texas got rid of him. And I like him. The dude has fire in his belly. I, I love that. Definitely opposite of Bundy. When it comes to showing their emotion, Bundy always looks like he's constipated. He's got a great poker face. Poor guy just needs to start eating some fiber. <laughs> he always has that look like it's just something doesn't feel right. Loosen that belt up a little bit there, buddy, or something. 
I love Bunny. What a great outing. We're going to get into that in just a second here. Last season, you all remember, of course, our pitchers. Bundy, Galsman with a 468 ERA. Miley with a 561 ERA. Ubaldo with a 681 ERA. And Tillman with a 784 ERA. He was just a complete shit show. I truly hope the guy was hurt. Like where he couldn't even feel his right arm as he threw the ball. I'm hoping that's what the problem was. Not one pitcher under four in their ERA, even Bundy. So I say to myself, how the hell can this team do just as bad as they did last year? It's possible, but I like our odds. I like our bats. I like our defense. And right now, I like the way this pitching lineup looks. Funny how the sports media out there gave the O's another whopping four wins on their predictions once they signed Cobb. Still no faith after Kashner and Cobb. And I was even excited when they signed Valencia. Danny Valencia came from the Oakland A's. I seem to be in the minority. But that kid can hit. He can hit the damn ball. Buck will mainly use him against left-handed pitchers. But during spring training, I think Valencia proved he can crush right-handers too. The guy can swing a bat. Though I'm sure some of those right-handers he faced in spring training will be working at Home Depot this summer. But Valencia was a good pickup in my opinion. I guess we'll see. Especially with the injuries that we're seeing already with like Trumbo and Davis. Who knows what we're going to need in a couple months. So of course everybody's very excited about opening day. Did you enjoy opening day? Of course you did. It was a walk-off home run by Adam Jones. Good for him. Good for him. This might be the last time we see Adam Jones in an Orioles uniform. So that was pretty emotional seeing him open up the year with hitting a walk-off. The first Oriole to hit a home run this season. Pretty cool. So what'd you do? Did you get the chance to go and start drinking by 6 a.m. at Pickles Pub while eating pancakes with their Coors Light? I know a lot of people who went down there, and they got down there around 6.30, 7 o'clock, went in extra innings. They didn't get home till 7, 8 o'clock. Saw them at work the next day. They looked like shit. <laughs> I didn't even go to opening day this year, but of course I took time off work to catch the game. I've been to a ton of opening day games, and each time it's always a great time. I'm very fortunate because a friend of the family has season tickets first row, first base side, right next to the dugout. Anytime I want to go to a game or if there's tickets available, he'll call me. Very convenient. I think opening day should be a freaking holiday in my opinion. A lot of people agree with me. Close all businesses. Close all schools. Let that be a day for everyone to celebrate a wonderful day. Which most people do, drunk by 11, throwing up by 1. You know, I understand opening day is a wonderful time, it's baseball, but it is basically like a fraternity party, sorority party, however you look at it. When you go to opening day, people are just hammered by 9 o'clock in the morning. Game hasn't even started yet, and you don't even have a clue where you are right now. (laughs) I'm not saying that's what opening day is all about for most of you, but some people I know only go to about two games a year, and opening day is one of them. Hammered outside of Pickles Pub, high-fiving everyone that walks by, chanting the White Stripe Seven Nation Army song. Speaking of that song, I actually heard them doing that chant during the UMBC games in March Madness. How crazy was that, by the way? Holy crap, did my bracket shit the bed this year. (laughs) I'm sure everyone's bracket was all messed up, but that was pretty funny hearing that chant during the games against Virginia when, obviously, UMBC made history. I'm telling you, after UMBC beat Virginia a few weeks ago. I never realized how many UMBC basketball fans I was friends with on Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) 
People were even bragging they lived a mile from the college, which I do too. I just thought I'd throw that in there too. I started seeing hashtag mile from UMBC on Twitter. But that was pretty cool to witness, seeing UMBC beat Virginia like that. But anyway, enough of basketball. Back to opening day, of course. Here's one of the reasons, too, why a lot of people love opening day. It's one of the few times per year that drunks can feel completely normal. They blend right in. Drunk by 10 a.m., no problem. There's about 40,000 other locals walking around drunk, ready to pound some Miller Lite and crab dip pretzels during opening day. That's the good shit right there. Football games, another great time when being drunk by 9 a.m. is perfectly normal. If it was any other weekday morning and I saw you hanging outside Pickles Pub hammered with crab pretzel dried around your mouth, I'd be concerned. I would probably reach out to my friends and say, hey, we need to talk to Mike this week and have an intervention for him. I saw him again 9 in the morning, completely hammered, wearing a Natty Bow shirt with a green Orioles hat. Get your shit together, Mike. So it's pretty interesting what we witnessed at opening day. Buck decided to use Chris Davis as a leadoff batter. A lot of people thought it'd be Tim Beckham, including me. And when I saw the rumors that Davis was going to be the leadoff batter, I just rolled my eyes, saying I'm sure Buck will, just to mix things up. Normally, Buck would do that to try to help Davis pull his head out of his ass to try to hit the damn ball. Though I got to say, Davis's numbers are actually better with no runners on base rather than runners on base. So, I don't know, maybe Buck was trying to look at the positive with leading him off. I have no freaking clue. If it worked out, he looks like a genius. It didn't work out. He went over. Big surprise. He didn't strike out his first at bat, so that's positive. <laughs> it's, you know, celebrating because he didn't strike out. It's our $161 million man. Woo, he didn't strike out. That's great. No, that's not great. Then Manny comes up to bat, just hits a screaming double down right field, running around the bases with $100 bills falling out of his ass. Holy hell, is that kid going to get paid? Uh, the rumor is now that Manny might go to Philly. Everybody's talking about Philly's going to dump a bunch of money either into Manny or Bryce Harper, and I, I really hope it's uh, uh, Manny, of course. I, I don't know. A few years ago, I used to think he was going to L.A. or Miami, But the closer his contract is up and the more I hear about how the Yankees were calling Dan Duquette all hours of the night, I truly do feel he's going to be on the Yankees next year. Maybe that's just, I'm so paranoid about it, I think it's going to come true, but I don't know. We have all season to talk about that. We have all season to talk about Manny. That's all we've been hearing all season. Thought I'd never say this, but I'm actually tired of talking about Manny Machado. (laughs) First episode of the podcast and I'm talking about being tired of talking about Manny. All right, uh, let's move on. We got to tip our hat to Dylan Bundy. Yes, he definitely had balls of steel on his first outing. I've got balls of steel. Everyone panicked when they saw that 720 ERA with a 1.65 whip during spring training. Okay, those numbers mean nothing. Even I became a little worried. Talking to all my friends and family like, oh, no, this isn't good. I'm like panicking, pacing back and forth. You know, I had to remind myself, look, they could have been working on a pitch. They could have been working on something. We don't know, but it still makes you nervous seeing the one pitcher you're counting on have a few bad innings. It it does. But again, there's those spring training jitters. But he starts the first inning off the season. One, two, three, goodbye. See you later. I'm out of here. We're not used to seeing that last year. I'm not just talking about Bundy. I mean the entire starting pitching staff last year. It always seemed like by the second or third inning, the O's would be down by at least, what, four or five runs? Always giving up runs in the first inning. That shit was so frustrating to watch. I mean, I get excited for the game. 
sit down to watch the game. Nice cold drink to sip on. By the time the ice melted and my drink was gone, I find myself, I'm still watching the first inning already down by three runs. Guys, 52 pitches in. If one of our pitchers got through the first inning without giving up a run, all of Baltimore would start celebrating like it was New Year's Eve. (laughs) Such an asinine thing to celebrate because a pitcher got out of the first inning without giving up a run. But of course, I think this is one of Bundy's best outings I've seen him pitch. You got to keep the batters off balance, and that's exactly what he did. Dan Plesak on MLB Network uh, the other night couldn't stop raving about Bundy. 7Ks, one walk, zero runs, 88 pitches with 64 strikes. That's just damn good pitching right there, folks. The most impressive thing for Bundy, other than pitching a shutout in seven innings, he had every batter almost 0-2, and then would finish him. Finish him. He wasn't pitching behind on batters. He didn't start off innings with walking in the first batter. There's nothing that bugs the hell out of me more than a pitcher starting the inning off with a walk. I mean, I'm sure that bugs anybody, the coach, fans, whoever's watching the game. How many times do we see a pitcher with a three-run lead walk the first batter that inning? Make him earn the damn base. But... It's a shame Brock, (laughs) oh, Brad Brock. It's a shame he came in and he shit the bed, taking the win away from Bundy. I get Davis made that error in the ninth, but Brock's got to finish that game. It was two to nothing when Davis made that error and nobody was on base and there was already one out. Just got to finish that game. And of course, a lot of fans out there already putting on Twitter and social media, Brad Brock should never be a closer again. Buck's not going to do that. You know that's not what Buck does. He's very loyal to his players. We're going to see Brad Brock probably closing a lot of games until Britain comes back. He just seems a little shaky as a closer, but I think we've been spoiled watching a closer who can throw a 97-mile-per-hour sinker, obviously talking about Zach Britton. And even Bill Nye, the science guy, is like, I have no clue how the hell a ball sinks going 97 miles per hour. A lot of tweets wondering why Buck just didn't keep O'Day out there to finish. Buck wanted to give Brock his first save and get his confidence going, but unfortunately that backfired, so now Buck looks silly making that move. The wonderful world of sports. You make a move, if it works, you're a genius. If it fails, you should be fired and never allowed to manage another baseball game. Uh, But congrats to Bunny on a great outing, starting the season off the right way. If that's what we're in for this season with Bundy, well, hot damn. This shit's going to be fun, folks. How about Adam Jones coming through with the walk-off home run? The guy was one for five that day, but hey, that one hit was all we needed from him. Then you got Caleb with the nice hit in the right center field, two RBI. First hit of the season, he decides to make it a triple. That's pretty awesome. Just went with the pitch, hit a rocket, medium pace rocket. (laughs) It's not much pop off of Caleb's bat. If the fielders were playing out, I'm sure they would have cut that ball off, but the outfield was playing him like it was backyard baseball with the neighborhood kids, and he was the worst player on the team. They're all saying, everyone, everybody in. I was watching the postgame interviews on Masson, and Caleb actually said that made him mad, seeing the outfield play that shallow on him. So he made them pay the best way he can, hit it past him. I was also curious on opening day how Beckham was going to do at third base. Of course. Of course, the first play at third bounces right off his glove. You know he wanted to throw down his glove and just yell out, Son of a bitch! Turns around, looks at Manny. Don't you say a freaking word, Manny. 
Just you take a couple steps back to your shortstop position. I think Beckham will be fine at third base. He made a couple other plays look really easy, and he's got a great arm, so I think he's going to do just fine. I'm sure Manny's given him some pointers on playing third, and I also think it's a little odd. We have one of the greatest third basemen that has ever played the game on our team, but he's not playing third. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, speaking of fielding, how about that catch Gentry made? Right field, leaping the wall, keeping the game tied 0-0. Robbed Eddie Rosario. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Uh, Eddie ran back to the dugout, you know, holding up his middle finger. (laughs) I mean, obviously he didn't do that, but I'm sure that's what he was thinking, knowing he was a foot away from hitting an opening day home run. Everybody wants to do that. Gentry has some wheels, man. A lot of people were wondering why Buck put him in the lineup, which I'm still confused right now recording this show, why he had Gentry in the lineup. But looks like he made the right choice. I guess for defense. I don't know. He's got speed, but his bat just seems flat with no pop. I'm sure he'll work that out the more at-bats he gets. I'd rather see Rasmus in the lineup. I get Rasmus didn't have good numbers against Odorizzi. And Buck is definitely a numbers guy, but I'd rather see his bat. I forget where I read this, but I had to laugh when Buck said in the article, Gentry was his secret weapon for this season. (laughs) I don't know... What kind of funny mood Buck was in, but he couldn't have been serious. But then again, he's leaping walls and robbing home runs, so what the hell do I know? So ever since we picked up Cobb, a lot of fans think we're going to be, what, 10 to 15 game swing from last year? If you already forgot last year's record, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. And 10 to 15 games is a pretty big swing to hope for. It's definitely possible. And it got me wondering what the most dramatic turnaround season for a team was. So I looked it up, found a a couple of the most drastic turnaround seasons for a Major League Baseball team. And here's what I found. I'm sure you remember, baseball fan, 1990 to 1991, the Atlanta Braves. In 1990, Braves finished with 65 wins. That, That is not good. Hopefully we don't see that season. But 1991 came around. They won 94 games. That's a 29-game improvement from the prior season. That's when they signed free agent Terry Pendleton. He was a beast with a bat. Played third base, hit a National League best 319 average. If you didn't notice, I'm uh, reading stats right now, <laughs> along with 22 home runs. I should have acted like I didn't have the stats in front of me. I'd be like, yeah, I think, uh, what's that guy's name? Terry Pendleton, I think he hit 319 with... 22 home runs, 86 RBIs. Yeah, he was also a National League Most Valuable Player, if I remember. <laughs> no, I'm cheating. I have this all in front of me. Though, I I do remember, I wouldn't need this in front of me. There are pitchers that they had. Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, and Steve Avery. Come on. They actually, what's another stat I'm going to cheat on here? National League's third lowest ERA, just one year after finishing last in the league in that same category the year before. That's what I'm talking about, folks. The Orioles have a much better pitching staff this year, and I think the offense is a little better, too. Maybe we'll see a 29-game improvement this year. Why not? Make it another why not season, which would mean the Orioles would win, what, 104 games this year? Could happen. Uh, The next team I saw that stood out, 92-93, the Phillies. Which They've just been awful. They're they're picking up right where the Orioles left off from, what what was that, 99-2011? to Those are some long years. But uh, Phillies put off a 27-win improvement from 92 to 93. Center fielder Lenny Dykstra 
What the hell happened to him? Holy hell. He he's a complete shit show. You want to <laughs> see some You want kids, you want to see what drugs and alcohol does to you if you do it every day? Man, should read Lenny Dykstra's book too. That is a complete car wreck. Uh, Darren Dalton and John Cruck, of course. Who doesn't remember John Cruck? In the All-Star game, Randy Johnson throwing to John Cruck. That was fun. If you're ever having a bad day and you want to get a good laugh, look that up on YouTube. Randy Johnson pitching to John Cruck. That's all you got to type in. Very very entertaining. And uh, one thing I did want to mention, new rule in baseball now. Mound visits remaining, which you'll see on the scoreboard. It'll just be MVR, stands for Mound Visits Remaining. Each team gets six visits to the mound which I still think is too high. Make it three visits total. I think, you know, bring back the rule where batters can't step out of the box, too. Whatever happened with that? Was that a year or two? That was two years ago, right? Or maybe last year. They said uh, the batters can't step out of the box. Happened for, like, the first week of the season, and then it just, poof, it was gone. I think they should also bring back the uh, bullpen car (laughs) to bring out the relief pitchers. Remember that? Little golf cart, but it was, you know, baseball bats for the post, and the, and the roof was half a baseball. I don't know why they uh, took that away. Probably something with the grounds crew. Like, hey, you're, you're fucking up my grass. But I just mentioned those couple things because that should help with the time of the game. I, I have no problem with the length of games, but it seems like apparently it's a big issue. Some people that I've spoken to about the game, they, they said their biggest complaint is sometimes when it goes into extra innings, you're at a five-and-a-half, six-hour game. You take your kid. You don't want to show up at a 7 o'clock game and get home at 2 o'clock in the morning. And then your your son, who's 10, 11 years old, is upset because you're taking him home before the end of the game. So they're just trying to put in little things here and there to uh, get the game faster, which I have no problem. I'm okay with that. If the game's faster, so be it. I'm just saying right now, I'm okay with it. I'm all right with it. Hey, by the way, congratulations to Nick Marcakis. I know he hasn't been in an Oriole for years, but I-, I love the guy. And if you're an Oriole fan, you'll always have a place in your heart for Nick Marcakis. But opening day for the Braves, he hit his first walk-off home run of his career. Can you believe that? All the times he was an Oriole and those few years that he was uh, supposed to be our power hitter, he had a-, a strong bat back in the day. You'd think he would have hit a, a couple walk-off home runs. Not one single walk off until the other day opening day so congratulations to him (laughs) keep doing it Nick you should see his hair now he's grown it out it looks pretty funny but I think the Orioles are going to have a good year this year I I just I always think pitching wins World Series I mean we've seen in the past few years with the Orioles it doesn't matter how many power hitters you have if you don't have good pitching you're screwed and we've got good pitching plus good hitting power hitters and I I think it's going to be fun A lot of sports media out there, they give the Orioles no respect. They have us winning 74 games. They had us winning like 70 or 71, and then we picked up Cobb, and they're like, all right, we'll give him 74 or 75. And I watch a lot of MLB Network during the week, and they were talking about how the Orioles are going to be right in the middle of it. They think they're going to be really good, especially with Bundy pitching like he did in opening day, set an example for the rest of the guys. I think it's going to be fun. I think we're going to have a good time watching the Orioles. I sure hope so. You know, I, I hate when when you know your team's out of it in July, even August. It's frustrating. And this is probably the last year. I'm going to, not probably, definitely the last year 
Although I, I say Manny Machado last year is an Oriole, but look, I, I didn't know they were going to sign Cobb and they did that. So I don't know. Maybe they'll sign Manny, but they probably signed Cobb because they had to be all in. And it's good they did because Lord only knows how long we're going to see guys like Adam, Manny, Jonathan, Scope. So I'm excited. I'm glad they made that move. And before I wrap things up, one more player I want to talk about that I'm looking forward to uh, uh, keeping an eye on, watching him, is, is Chan Sisko. I'm excited that they called this guy up. I'm, I'm glad he's on the team. And we'll probably see him just as much, if not more, than Caleb this season. That's what the rumor is. I know Buck is very loyal to his veteran players, but Sisko seems to be the real deal. His batting average is about 300 through his career. Defense still a little shaky, but I'm sure that'll be worked on hanging around Caleb all season. I'm sure he's going to give him some pointers, show the kid how things are done. Caleb's definitely the guy you want to talk about when it comes to catching. And it's funny, now that Chan Sisko is in the picture, a lot of fans, a lot of people I'm talking to are saying, finally, we're going to get a legit catcher. And I've heard people use the word bust when they're talking about Matt Weeders, which I was surprised. Look, Weeders didn't exactly put up the numbers that a lot of people thought he was going to when he joined the team. People thought he'd be hitting 260, 275 average, 25, 30 home runs. Great defense, great defensive catcher, but I think a lot of people were disappointed in his bat. So I'm just curious, do you think of the word bust when they say the word Matt Weeders? When you hear Matt Weeders be mentioned in a conversation, are you jumping on board with the word bust? I don't know, very interesting. So I am very excited to see Chan Sisko, see what he can do up here in the majors, which I have a pretty good feeling he's going to have a good season. And that's going to be great. That's exactly what we need because if Caleb does wind up being the backup catcher, I think he's a great backup catcher. I just don't think he's an everyday guy for us. But again, no catcher plays every day, but you get my point. Anyway, we've got all season to talk about all this stuff. Don't forget, you can reach me anytime at fullcountchaos at gmail.com or just head over to fullcountchaos.com. There you'll find all the ways you can get a hold of me, keep in contact with the show, subscribe, all that good shit. And again, thank you very much for taking the time to tune in. I will be having some guests come on. I'll be having some just fans of baseball on the show. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Soon, later, I'm not really sure yet. I will be giving away tickets for the Orioles game, so tune in for that. We're going to have fun. Till next time, see ya.